Welcome to Connection Life Ministries podcast. Thank you for taking a moment to listen to God's Word. Today's podcast is from Jesus Pursuit Church in Albany, Oregon. Denny Klein, Pastor Emeritus and founder of Jesus Pursuit Church, is our speaker. Wow, thanks for that, Emily. I'm glad you uh, got them to say all that before I get up here because you're about to be challenged. So anyway, but before we get there, I want to give a a praise report. Uh, Many of you know Bill Lancaster, some of you don't. I put it on my Facebook, but uh, you don't know the details. So I'm going to tell you a little bit of the backstory. How many of you know Bill Lancaster? He's a friend of the house. He He served here part of our team uh, just you know his family they were with us for years and then they moved around a lot and uh, anyway still a dear friend and he had a, a massive heart attack I don't know the nature of it I don't know if it was a blockage type or his heart just like went off and stopped and you know he was you know basically taken uh, to the hospital non-responsive and so they, they uh, you know, checked him all out and all that kind of stuff. He still had some life in him. They put him in, in a coma state and kept him there. Where his, Their intention was to bring him out of that. And they did tests and so forth to try to figure out, you know, what, what had happened to him. Prognosis was terrible. Um, you know, he had some brain waves and stuff. But they, I'll just say it like the doctor said it, that if he does come out of this, he will probably never be able to speak, walk, do anything again. And uh, so people have been praying all over the place. And they, they were trying to get me to uh, pray over the phone for him as Stan Chad had done. So had uh, Paul Keith Davis and Timothy Johnson. And just pray over the phone, you know, because you can't, couldn't can't go into the hospital. And all that had to be set up with family. And because of circumstances, that wasn't that easy to do. So they were, they were about to just let him go last Thursday. The doctor said, we don't really see anything to you know, cause us to believe that he's going to come out of this. And uh, so the family had to face that decision. And they wanted to wait till I was going to pray over the phone. That's what they delayed letting him go because they're going to wait for me to pray over the phone for him. I never did. He woke up. He just simply woke up. And so when, when they came and checked him out, he had feeling in his legs, in his arms, and he said to his wife, Diane, I love you. And so he's all there. And so I've, I called Timothy yesterday. Um, he's, he's starting rehab. Uh, they actually are starting to rehabilitate him. It's a, a long journey back, you know, for him. But, uh, you know, he, reckoned, he, he can read the nurse's uh, tag and said her name and all that kind of stuff. And, it's, you know, he's recognizing all his family members, sometimes because of the drugs and everything that they've given him so much of. You know, he goes a little bit in and out. But uh, he's all there and he's coming back. And uh, God did a big miracle. God did a big miracle. Thank you, Jesus. 
I want you to stand with me right now. We just want to pray for a full recovery for Bill. Father, we thank you for what you've already done for Bill in bringing him out of this and rescuing him. Lord, we recognize at some point this really actually was an attack of the enemy and not his time. We thank you, God, that there is a time appointed, Lord, and that, that he will not be robbed in any way from the enemy of an appointed time to go be with you. We ask, God, now that you fully restore him and he become a great testimony to your goodness and your mercy, Father, and to your power, Lord, to restore and make us whole, even when we have been hit hard, Lord, by life circumstances and, and all kinds of uh, different things that can happen to us. We give you all the glory, God, for what you're going to do in Bill, in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? <clears throat> it's not going to be easy, you know, for the family or Bill to uh, get back to where he needs to be, but we know that it's possible it's happened for other people. And so, so we're just going to continue to pray for them, to, for him and his family to see it through through the end. Um, how many of you remember, you know, different messages on the book of Joshua before even the pandemic? You know? And we've had uh, some... Revisit to that. I, I, I don't really feel like we're supposed to just totally get away from that. There are promises involved in that. You had all those memorial stones set up here. I don't remember the names of all of them. But, uh, you know, there were promises made to this house. And really some of them even carry over into the region and, and the nation. And uh, so I, I kind of go back into Joshua today and... We, uh, we're, we're in a fight. Like it or not, we are in a fight. And I don't know, you know, if, if you feel like you're up for a fight, but you really don't have a choice. You really don't have a choice. You know, if you, how many of you actually thought you could go into the promised land and not face your enemies and have a fight? It doesn't work that way. And so, if we're going to inherit these promises, and I'll get to what that really means for us today as opposed to what was promised to the children of Israel in Joshua's day. I'll get to that in a minute. But if we're actually going to obtain those and inherit the, the inheritance and the promises, we, there's, our, there's our part. Emily said what Jesus has done for us, and it's all true. Um, everything that salvation affords us is for us today. And it's all been done by the victory of the cross that Jesus did when he shed his blood on the cross and then was resurrected from the dead and is now seated at the right hand of God in, in the throne of God in heaven. So that's all true. But there's, there's this tendency, and I would say probably more in the charismatic church than almost anywhere, that we live sort of vicariously. It's like virtual Christianity. It's like watching your favorite football team on TV and going like, that's my team, they just got the victory. Hallelujah. You know, and we just scored another touchdown, and yet we're sitting on the couch. But that's not the way the Christian life was ever designed. And some people, you know, are called into different spheres in our society to go into there and, and 
fight the good fight of faith within those. And I, I'm just, I'm not like a seven mountain guy because I think there's like 40 mountains. But uh, nevertheless, we're to be involved in every sphere of society and be salt and light and actually fight for righteousness sake. But Jesus said to his own disciples, he said this, and this is kind of a hard word, but he said, unless you're, this is like, you can't be virtual about this. This is not like just something I've done and you can just claim this and it just, you know, happens magically. He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you likewise also will perish. That's a tough word, isn't it? As, as a disciple to hear something like that from Jesus. What's he saying? And what do you mean by perish? What he means is, if, you, if you're trying to bring righteousness into, kingdom righteousness into the earth from heaven, if your righteousness doesn't exceed the Pharisees, you're going to be destroyed by the fight. That's what he's saying. He's not saying you have to be better than them to, you know, obtain favor with God. He's saying that you, you actually, if you want to go get in this fight, your righteousness must exceed that of the world. You can't fight like the world and expect to, to win. How many of you would rather win than lose? I like to win personally. I loved it when President Trump said, we're going to win so much you're going to get sick of winning. I think that's a great attitude. And Christians ought to have that attitude. I believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. But it's not just something that we believe. We actually have to get on the court and play the game. So, Joshua 3.5 Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. I was so encouraged by Destiny's word and Rick's word last week. I just thought, man, this is, this is really encouraging what I'm hearing right now. Both of those words were just so encouraging about what God is doing and what's coming on our behalf. So I, I'm really praying into that, and it's, it's like, you know, we, we've gotten into this, uh, I think part of it was just the last couple years, the season we've been in, it's like, stay at home, you know, just stay away from people, mind your own business, this and that and the other thing. God, we sh we've got to come out of that. We've got to get out of that completely and get on the front lines. And the first thing that we have to do it's recognized God wants to do miracles among us, but our part is to consecrate ourselves before the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, let, let, I'll, I'm going to come to that really strong here in a minute, but their covenant was if they trusted in God, then they would inherit these lands where their tribes would dwell, you know, in perpetuity. You know, just... just go on for a long time you know I mean I don't know until maybe somebody else took it over but they they were going to be given these lands but they had to go possess those lands they couldn't just expect it to be a virtual victory they actually had to go possess those lands but they couldn't do it unless they first consecrated themselves to the Lord 
Now today, what we've we got to recognize what we're fighting for and who we're fighting. Paul said that we're, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but it's spiritual powers in heavenly places. And we don't fight the same way as one beating the air. You, know, <laughs> you could really go off on a tangent here about media. <laughs> you know, I mean, beating the air. I mean, is there, is there any more beating the air than in the media today? And I don't care which one you pick, whether it's the, the fake news or the real news. But there's a lot of beating the air. Christians have to do more than just beat the air. We actually have to get involved. And what we are fighting for is an inheritance in Christ. What do I mean by that? Everything that salvation provides for us is our inheritance. Everything that salvation provides for us. Healing, deliverance, getting out of poverty, um, you know, walking in, in the Spirit in peace and joy and love and all those kinds of things that have been given to us by salvation, that's our inheritance in Christ. It's not lands. I mean, to, it was lands for them, but it's not lands for us. You don't see anywhere where Jesus talks about going and taking lands. You don't see anything where Paul's talking about going and taking lands. We actually are bringing a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. We're fighting for a spiritual kingdom to come into the earth and rule and reign with the light and the glory of God. That's what we're fighting for. And in every sphere of society, we want that to happen. But you don't do it with the world's methods. And if you do it at all, you better consecrate yourself before you go in. There's never been in history anything worth having or doing or accomplishing without facing opposition on the way to victory. And you can't have a victory without a fight. I feel like modern day, the saints, the believers, the disciples of Jesus are in a John chapter 6 moment. What do I mean by that? Do you remember John chapter 6? Jesus after feeding all of the thousands of people and showing the miracles and all of that, at some point he, he was drawing to a close of the miraculous for that particular part of his life and season of his life and then going to go to the cross. And he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have any part in me any longer. Which is a really bizarre thing to say, Right? But for those who have a revelation, had a revelation of who Jesus is and was back then, they understood what Jesus was saying. You're either all in with me or you're not with me at all. I really feel like Christians are coming to a John chapter 6 moment. You're either all in with Jesus or you're not in at all. This is kind of a sobering word. I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to apologize for it. I feel like the time is so critical. You know, Paul said, walk circumspectly for the days are evil, Make the most, making the most of your time. We don't really have time to dilly-dally around anymore as a church and do virtual Christianity or rah-rah club. 
Neither one is going to get us anywhere. We have to actually, you know, figure out who we're for and whose side we're on. Now, now get this in chapter 5. Um, I'll just jump up to chapter 5. You know, they, they circumcised everybody. People were consecrated to the Lord. They were set apart to God. They were ready to go into the battle that way. And then, after they cross the Jordan, Joshua meets this heavenly man. It says in this, Joshua was near Jericho, and he looked up and saw right in front of him a man standing, holding his drawn sword. And Josh, This is from the message. And Joshua stepped up to him and said, Whose side are you on? Ours or our enemies? That's a good question. But it's the wrong question. And he said, neither. <laughs> I'm the commander of God's army. I've just arrived. Joshua fell on his face on the ground and worshipped and asked, what orders does my master have for his servant? God's army commander ordered Joshua this is really strange. This is your orders. This is your orders for going and possessing the land. Take the sandals off your feet. The place where you're standing is holy. Wow. That's a very odd answer from the commander of the host of the Lord's army. And so the question isn't like, you know, is God on my side, our side, their side, everybody's saying that God's on their side today. Did you notice that? Even, even those who do evil and call evil good, they're saying God's on their side. And they'll quote scripture to try to make their case, which really actually sounds bizarre and silly when they do it. But the question, th this goes all the way back to the Civil War. I don't think I've ever seen us so close to a Civil War in this country since we had the first civil war. God help us to not have a, that kind of bloodshed to restore this thing. And I don't even know if it would. It actually might make us so vulnerable that our enemies abroad might come and take us over. So it's something we really don't want. But when Abraham Lincoln was posed with this question, because the north and the south's like, well, whose side God's on, you know? And it says, wrong question. Are you on God's side? The question is, isn't who, whose side God is on, because everybody's claiming He's on their side. The question is, are you on God's side? So, jump forward to the battle. The first battle they have is at Jericho. And one of the things that happens, you know, I, I can go back through my life and I, I can go back through the life of this church and every breakthrough, this is, I'm, I'm going to talk, you know, our breakthrough, it was, I had to laugh actually, Emily, when you said something about breakthrough this morning and I'm not exactly even sure what you said, but you said something about it. But because almost every prophetic word you hear anymore is your breakthrough is coming. Your breakthrough is almost here. I see your breakthrough. Your breakthrough has come. <laughs> you know, breakthrough, 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 breakthrough. 
And yet, nobody ever gets out of the virtual into the reality of what's actually going on to have a breakthrough happen and the preparation required for breakthrough. Did you know there's actually preparation required for breakthrough? God's grace sometimes gives us incredible breakthrough just because. We know that. God, just in His mercy and His grace, will sometimes give us breakthroughs and things. It's like, well, I don't deserve that. That's what grace is all about. But it's like it just happens. But then there are other things that you're contending for and things you're looking for and things that are promises and the breakthrough's not coming, you go, why isn't the breakthrough coming? It's like, have you positioned yourself for the breakthrough? Are you ready to handle what the breakthrough will actually bring to your life when it comes? Are you ready for that? Like if we had all of the things, like I'm just going to say this, and I'm not trying to get, I don't, I don't really want to dig real deep in the weeds of politics, but I will say this, you know, it's like we hope that there will be breakthrough and there will be a turnaround in the, ne in the next election, right? I'm going to vote for righteousness. I'm going to vote for people who love righteousness. And basically, where that's at today, it's not the progressives, it's the conservatives, right? However, if we get a hold of it and the breakthrough comes, what in the world will they do with it? What will they actually do with it? Do they even have they ever really gone to God and said, "What what can we do to just turn this country around?" Or is it all about I want to get this position, I want on a committee, I want to get this, I want to get that, I want to get the pension. We don't know, do we? So, I'm going to vote, and I'm going to vote righteousness. I'm going to vote for everything that is not on this progressive agenda. But having said that. First and foremost, I feel like we need a fresh consecration to God. And it's, this, this is on the church before it's ever on a nation. We can't expect an ungodly nation to love God. But the church must love God first. So our first duty is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and our neighbors ourselves, right? That's the very first commandment of God. And so, we need to do that. Okay, so you come up to where they actually went and followed, and if they would follow God after this consecration and do what He said, even if it was bizarre, like march around a city seven times, wasn't that big a city, by the way, it was probably about, you know, 60 acres or something like that. And, but do it seven times and then shout and the walls will fall down you can run in and just they'll be in such fear you can just slaughter everybody and take over the city that's kind of a bizarre battle plan plan right so they did it and they won now they thought this is easy all we got to do is just keep on fighting and now we've got the victory no you've got to be consecrated you still have to consecrate yourself and hear from the Lord what you're supposed to do. And so he told them to go in and take Ai. And he said, you know, but don't take any of, some people call it the accursed things, the devoted things, basically they're idols. Don't take their idols 
and bring them into your own household, your own camp. Because if you do, you're going to bring the trouble in with you. And it will be trouble for you and the whole nation. So don't do it. So the first battle, they followed God, they did what He said to do, and they won. The second one, they didn't do that. And one family brought in this other stuff, you know, the idols and all that, and they lost. So it shows you how serious this is that we need to make Jesus numero uno all the time. Not just, okay, we got that victory, let's just go back to business as usual. This is kind of a bizarre word here. I'm setting this up for the next couple of years to tell you the truth. I mean, we're in for the fight of our lives, you guys. We are literally in for the fight of our lives in the next few years. Whatever happens in the next election, great. But the culture is not going to change and they're not going to give up trying to pound this stuff into everybody. I'll give you an example. This is only yesterday. I, uh, I was listening to the lawyer for the sailors who asked for religious exemption from the vaccine and they were given it and they funneled them all into one barracks and it was like living in a latrine. Now you think, oh, it was all about the vaccine. No, it wasn't about the vaccine at all. It was about the religious exemption. Because there are other people who got the exemption who are doing just great. They got the exemption because of medical stuff. They got the exemption for administration reasons. And they were, they were doing great in the Navy and just going on, you know, whatever their song is, singing their song. And these guys are in a hellhole. And what they find out is the Navy's trying to purge out all of the people of faith. Better wake up. This has even hit our military. Wokeness has even got into the military. I know this is sobering stuff, but, but you've got to hear it because the next couple of years are not, they're going to, it's going to be like riding down a rapids. I'm telling you, right now. This next couple of years are going to be like riding down a rapids in a canoe. You better hang on for your life and you better be close to Jesus. Wait, I, I don't remember if, uh, how many of you were in the room when I told about a dream that I had probably about a month ago now with Amy Sollers in it. I'm coming to the good part, the hopeful part. <laughs> Hang on. But I had to slap you around a little bit first because <laughs> it's not going to be nice the next couple of years. We're in a fight for our lives, you guys, whether you know it or not. So I had this dream probably about a month ago now. It's quite profound. I was in a large arena that felt more outside than inside. Some people were sitting on the floor. Others were just milling around. And some were just standing there. For the, and the size of the, the space we were in, it was actually fairly empty considering how big the space was. There really weren't that many people. 
I saw a prophetic friend sitting on the floor. I said prophetic when I wrote this. It was Amy Sowers. She's a prophet to this house, but she's also an international prophet. So I approached her and asked her what she was up to, and she, her, this was her reply. I'm not here to inform, but to reform. So we got up and we started to walk towards someone she was going to speak to, and on the way, she explained what she meant. She said, the way we're doing things is not working. We need to change our practices. Then, she, and then we came up to this other person and she said, watch. And when she said, watch, this incredible sound came out of heaven like a trumpet sound. And it reminded me in the dream of Mount Sinai with the trumpet blast that blew over Mount Sinai. And then I, I woke up. So here's, here's what I believe. Amy represents the word of the Lord as an international prophet. The room represents the transition from inside meetings to outside, reaching out to the world. We know both are valid. But the nations are crying out for something authentic to give them wisdom and hope. The fact that there were not many in the arena, I'll call it, shows that the church is diminished in numbers compared to what people view as the church in name only. Some were standing and discussing, trying to figure out what to do. Others were sitting and just waiting, and some were milling around like they were confused. And I would say that generally that's kind of the state of the church right now. When Amy said she was there to, not to inform but reform, it's exactly what we need. We need to posture ourselves for the great thing that God is about to do. We need to know what to do with it when it comes. I said this years ago, I said, what if 3,000 people showed up to our Sunday service some morning? What would we do? Do we have a plan for that? Anyway, <laughs> it's obvious that, that what we're doing and not working that well and practices need to change. In other words, Another word for change is repent. Let me just say this. There's all these people writing on the internet and everywhere today, all these uh, self-appointed theologians, you know, that repentance is not for today anymore. That, you know, that was John Baptist thing. That was a John the Baptist thing after Jesus. There's no more, uh, you know, you repent once when you come to Jesus, and then there's no place for repentance anymore. It's like you're done repenting, you know. It means change the way you think. <laughs> don't you think we still have room to change the way we think still a place for repentance anyway I won't get off on that tangent so <laughs> somebody said thank God <laughs> so when she said watching this incredible trumpet sound from heaven came it made me think of the invitation of the Lord in Exodus for God's people to come and meet with Him. But they said, no, we're too afraid. You speak to Moses and he'll tell us what, you know, what you're saying and then you know, we'll, we'll basically want to kill Moses. <laughs> no, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they won't hearken after another. They won't, they won't go after another voice, they'll listen to my voice. 
my sheep listen to my voice and they don't listen to another. And I'm just telling you that I don't care who it is, whether it's somebody that says they're a prognosticator, a prophet, or this or that out there on the internet, a theologian, or this or that, or somebody who's an expert on culture telling you this and telling you that, fine, but you better go to Jesus and listen for what He has to say and obey Him. First and foremost. So what does modern day uh, consecration look like? Another word for it might be surrender. I, how many of you remember the word that Amy gave about apocalypse? You know, the coming of apocalyptic glory? Sounds pretty ominous, but she, you know, apocalypse actually means revealing or unveiling. It's not like, oh, it's not like you know, Armageddon. It, it means unveiling or revealing. I think we're coming into that. And I think that's part of what the trumpet sound is. It's like there's a huge unveiling come, coming to see what is of the Lord and what is nonsense. And for the people of God to choose, I'm either all in with Jesus or I'm not at all. And I think that's what's actually coming on the earth, not just America, but the whole earth. Because what's happening to us is happening all over the world. This is a global thing that's happening all over the world, what's going on, societal, cultural, governmental. It's happening all over the world. And I, I, you know, believe me, I could get into all kinds of stuff deep in the weeds about everything that's going on in government and culture and all of that. But you know what? You, if you... If, if, if your daily bread is either fake news or real news or either one, and that's what you're living off of and that's what's driving you and that's what you're emotionally moved by and stuff, and you're going to go crazy. we got to get with God. I'm not saying don't ever see the news, don't be informed. I'm saying if, if that's your daily bread, you're going to go crazy. Or you're going you're gonna to get so angry you might do something you don't really want to do. I mean, that's the way it eats away at me. It's like, I just get angry. I don't care which, which one I watch, I get angry at both. Why? Because one is wrong, one is lying and the other one's right. And they both make me angry because of the situation we're in. But I can't let that rule my life. I can't let that determine my eternal reward or even how God uses me and my destiny and my inheritance on the earth in Christ now and how He wants to use me now. I can't let those things dictate to me what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. I have to hear from the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Fresh surrender. Separate yourself wholly to the Lord. That's really what consecration is all about. When a person consecrates themselves or surrenders anew, there's a resetting in the relationship with God and a realization of two things. One, we recognize we were not as close to God as we want to be, 
And two, we're putting all our trust in God alone, positioning ourselves to serve and live for Him wholeheartedly. That's what consecration is all about. Do that before you do anything else. I'm not telling you not to do anything that God's assigned you to do. I'm saying, but you better do this before you do anything else. And we as a church, I don't know what this looks like for JPC. It's up to the leadership team. But, you know, the words that we're hearing, the promises that we have, the fight that we're in, I would say that we need somehow to consecrate ourselves afresh to the Lord. Not only personally, but corporately. I don't know what that looks like. Sorry. <laughs> it's not for me to say. That's why I'm not saying it, but... I will say this, that it looks like more than business as usual. I mean, I think God's going to do great things, Emily, when, when people go and get in the tent for the event that you talked about. I see anointing coming all over that. So you should do it. God's already told you to do it. But like the things that you're hoping for in revival and all of that kind of stuff, city transformation... It's not just going to come through good works. It's going to come through power. It's going to come through glory. It's going to come through God invading the earth with heaven. We have to position ourselves for that kind of glory. It's not just like, K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be, and the glory will come. That's not how it works. Every single visitation, everything personally in my life. When God, uh, I'm, I'm talking about after I first gave my life to Jesus, before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, nine months of, of consecration. I'm not saying that it has to be that way for everybody, but I'm talking about something that so radically changed my life. It wasn't just speaking in tongues. It was a radical transformation in my life that made me bold for God, on fire, in love, full of the Holy Ghost, operating in the supernatural like crazy from heaven. Bam! Just like that. But it took nine months for me to actually wrestle it out. I'm not saying it should take nine months, but it did take nine months for me to wrestle it out with God and then go, okay, God, I surrender everything to you because I now see who you really are and who you are in my life. You can have everything for the rest of my life. I give you it all, God. And within a week, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and just everything changed. Then I end up at Providence. And again, you know, months of prayer alone up in my office and then sometimes with other people. And it wasn't our renewal, but it came to us. And we were the first ones in the whole Willamette Valley that the renewal hit and became the ones who spread it to all the churches. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that if you really want something of God's glory, position yourself for it. You can't dictate to God when it will come or how it will come. But God does respond faithfully to the prayers and the, and the, and the consecration of His people. He always does. Then we came over here in Albany. We had several visitations. We had a building project. All this stuff was 
happened not just through the arm of man and somebody's vision. More, of it, more than anything, it happened through consecration and prayer. And I, know, and I know that Emily knows the history as well as I do. It wasn't anything great her dad did. It was God showed up. But the reason He showed up was because the people were hungry, the people were consecrated, and they came into unity that way. And it became like an Acts chapter 2 moment, like it did for the, for the early church where they were in unity and they were in one accord and they all were for the same thing. They were for Jesus and His kingdom and, and that alone. Everything else was put to the side except for Jesus alone and His kingdom. It says this in 1 Samuel 7, 3, and I'm coming to a close here. It says... Um, if you return to the Lord with all of your hearts, then put away from you the foreign gods and Asherahs, same thing, from among you, and prepare your hearts for the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. I don't know in what ways we need to be reformed, but I, I believe... What Amy said in the dream is true. We do need it. The only way we're going to find out is go to God. This is a really old dream, but I think you'll enjoy this anyway. You'll, it's really interesting. I call it the dream of the bride in the parking garage. This is like years ago I had this dream, but it was, while, it was early on when I was here in Albany. I was in a parking, this is a dream, I was in a parking garage and couldn't find my truck when I saw a manifestation of the bride floating above near the ceiling. So I began to follow her and then I found my truck. When I opened the door, there was this puppet-like figure that was alive on the floorboard of the truck. The Lord spoke to me and said, throw it out. After I did, I saw all these same type figures sitting on the wall of the garage glaring at me. And the Lord said, command them to throw themselves down off the wall. So I did, and they were destroyed. Then I woke up. So what does this mean? God wants us to pursue not just saying we're the bride, but actually living like the bride. Pursuing that. Going after that. And this was a dream really about authority. How much authority do we have? My truck represented my ministry. And then my authority was tested. I had enough authority to kick out what didn't belong in my own life. But I didn't have enough authority to do it for the whole garage. Call it the city, call it the region, call it the nation, whatever you want to. You only have as much authority, really, beyond your own metron, as they say, as you are operating in under the Lord yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got, in order to have authority, you have to be a centurion. 
said, I've never seen even this kind of faith in Israel about this Roman centurion. Because he, had, he was a man under authority. He really understood what authority meant. He said, I say to my guys, go there, go here. They do it. And he said, you know, I'll do whatever you say. He recognized Jesus as king. And so what I'm saying is in light of the, the, this above in the verse that I just talked about, before we as the people of God can cross over, we've cross, we, we have crossed over, but before we can actually possess what we're reaching for and all these stones that are up here, virtually right now, so. <laughs> but you know the stones that we had up here, before we can actually possess those things, we need to do two things. Consecrate ourselves before the Lord, believing He's about to do great things things and as we do he will show us the things that are not that are not only not helpful but need to just be kicked out of our lives so that we can get a proper focus in God and hear his voice to do what he tells us to do among all the other voices that are shouting at us and boy they are loud these days you know, uh, to close this, I, I thought about doing this. I didn't bring it. I was going to bring oil. And the reason is, like, I don't know how many of you have heard about the move of God that's happening in Georgia at a church. pastor's name is Todd Smith. He will say himself he's not the important figure of this. It's what God actually told them to do. And they started baptizing people. And what it is is Jeff McCracken's doing this. He just had three meetings with Todd, and they had, you know, several hundred people come, and people got baptized, miracles happened in the tub, people got filled with the Spirit, marriages were restored, people, you know, got delivered of, of addictions, all kinds of things happened when people got baptized in water. You say, well, what, what is that all about? Fresh consecration. People were coming and consecrating themselves afresh, and God then said, you're ready and I'm ready. Let's just help you out right here, right now. Bam. And I'm not saying that's the magical elixir for anything. I do believe that consecration is what we need. And consecration is what God is looking for. This is what it says in Micah. The breaker has, the breaker has come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate, and have gone out by it. Their king shall pass before them, and the Lord the head of them. That's from Micah 2.13. That's what our hope is, right? And that's what he promises to do, and to reveal his glory through his people. You've been listening to Connection Life Ministries podcast. It is our honor and privilege to partner with others from around the world in a joint effort to get the Word of God to you. If you would like more information or have questions, feel free to email us at connectionlifeministries at yahoo.com.